Hey everybody. I want to thank you for checking out Arn today. We're going to be talking about a very special pay-per-view from 2015. Next week, we're doing another Q and a, but before we get started, I want to tell you what's running through the schedule this week here on Westwood one with my shows. Just yesterday, we hit on a TNA show where they finally decided to go head to head with Monday night raw in 2010. We talked to Eric Bischoff about what went into that decision, what worked, what didn't work and why. Tomorrow, Tony and I are going to watch one of the worst ECW shows ever. Wrestlepalooza 1998. Ugh, it was just a mess, but it's always fun to watch those with Tony. I'm sure there's going to be some silly shit that we shouldn't be talking about on that show. Uh, come Thursday, Grill and JR, we're going to be talking about one of the better shows, especially the main event. What a barn burner it was. Wrestle War 1989, the Music City Showdown. The rubber match of the incredible trilogy between Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and the Nature Boy Ric Flair from 1989. But as soon as the match is over, we are right into another program with Terry Funk. It's magic. And JR and I break it down this Thursday. And of course, this Friday, it's all about Tito Santana. You don't want to miss any of these shows this week. And by the way, if you're on adfreeshows.com, you would have gotten all of these shows early and ad free for as little as nine bucks a month. But that's not all you can expect from adfreeshows.com. I visit with Eric Bischoff to revisit the early days of him cutting his teeth in the wrestling business. We watched AWA Super Clash 4 back when he was a young upstart. And then most recently, we talked about when he got fired from WWE just last year. There's also tons of other content where he breaks down the psychology behind the, the two more controversial matches from this year's WrestleMania, the Firefly Funhouse match and the, the Graveyard match. But then with Arn, we break down the backstage fight between Vader and Paul Orndorff. And we even did a fun watch along from 1988 where Arn and Tully win the tag titles when Barry Windham turns his back on Lex Luger and joins the Four Horsemen. And then of course, Dusty catches a beatdown. Really remarkable stuff that I can't recommend enough. It's all happening right now at adfreeshows.com. Tony Schiavone, believe it or not, did a watch along for Tiger King. That feels like something from a fever dream. Jim Ross did a watch along for some old Mid-South Rock and Roll Express, dropping the tag titles to the Midnight Express. And we had some fun behind the scenes stuff with the plane ride from hell, one of our most requested topics ever. And we discussed the most recent rash of WWE releases. JR was the guy who had to hire and fire for years and years. So he might be one of a handful of experts of what goes on with these releases and what to expect on the other side. And then last, but certainly not least, a tremendous bonus episode from Bruce Pritchard covering WrestleMania eight. He wasn't there, but, uh, he knew the players check it out. It's all the bonus content. You can shake a stick at, including tons of old live shows, our old bonus content from all our other Patreons before. Oh, and did I mention more than a hundred hours of Starcast stage panels? It's all happening right now at adfreeshows.com. Check it out. I hate Steven singer. You know what else I hate? Everything happening in the world right now. Our heart breaks for those who have lost loved ones, those who are ill, struggling small businesses, and everyone affected by this. Normally, Steven Singer is in the love business and the happiness business, and this is the time when I would announce his new rose color for Mother's Day. But this year's different. I'm announcing his brand new I Love You 24 karat gold dipped rose. It's a beautiful pink blush color that will hopefully brighten your loved one's day, but Steven wants to put a little love in everyone's days. So he's using a portion of every rose sold to support local restaurants by purchasing catering for all the incredible nurses, doctors, first responders, and hospital workers taking care of us. You can purchase an I love you rose and know you're sending love to the moms in your life while also supporting independent restaurants and thanking essential workers. If you're looking to celebrate someone, simply say I love you or honor mom on Mother's Day 
Steven Singer is shipping as fast and safely as possible. Steven treats his customers as family and he's here for you. So go now to IHateStevenSinger.com for free and touchless delivery and include a free personalized message of love. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Arn and the master of ceremonies, our host with the most. Of course, he is the founder of the Four Horsemen, the Hall of Famer himself, the Enforcer, Double A, Arn Anderson. Arn, how are you, man? I'm doing great, Conrad. How are you? Man, I'm good. We are safe and healthy and happy, and you're in the comfort of your home, and I'm in mine, and we're having a little fun, talking a little wrestling today. But we don't have to get too far in our way back machine. We're talking about payback from 2015. So just about five years ago, it went down May 17th, Royal Farms Arena in Baltimore, Maryland. Draws about 10,000 folks, which is a a nearly full house there. Baltimore, one of the old famous horseman towns, probably one of your favorite towns to perform in, huh? Yes, sir. The the Baltimore fans have always been great. And uh, as long as the story is something that they can follow, they're better than great. They have... They're so responsive and, uh, they enjoy the product and they always have, and, uh, they're so fun to perform for. What is it about that building that makes it so historic for wrestling? It feels like so many great wrestling matches and memories have happened in that particular arena. Probably eight out of 10 times they've been close to capacity, you know, throughout history, they have been so supportive and the, the acoustics are so good, but when you have a history, it's like Chicago of the building being full, then when you're sitting home and you haven't been to a show and you live in Chicago or around Chicago, your expectations are so big, just like Baltimore. Every time you saw it on TV or a pay-per-view or Clash of the Champions, it was packed and it just made for that incredible atmosphere that you were expecting and that's what you got. I think, I think the fans were part of the stars of that show. Well, it's hard to disagree. It is always a hot crowd and this is going to be no, 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 uh, different here. Uh, we're coming off the extreme rules pay-per-view where we saw Seth Rollins retain the world title in a cage match over Randy Orton, as well as John Cena retain the United States championship over Rusev in a Russian chain match. Let's get into some news and notes. Uh, I know you weren't necessarily quote unquote office from a financial perspective. Uh, but I do want to mention that, uh, at the end of March, the WWE network had 1,327,000 subscribers. Um, and they're breaking down sort of where this whole process is because we're not too terribly far into the switch from traditional pay-per-view into the network. Uh, Meltzer would, would report that the total uh, network revenue was 28.6 million, uh, for the most recent quarter. This is pretty phenomenal to see how quickly this thing has taken off. But yet at the same time, we're hearing maybe it didn't quite meet expectations. What was the the rumblings that you guys as agents were hearing about how the switch to the network was going here by 2015? Well, the question we all had, you know, the old timers, the, the Rotundos, the Malenkos, the Fit Finleys, myself, you know, who wouldn't spend nine ninety nine to get all that content? We could not figure out why that was. And I don't know if it was 
a smaller percentage of people actually have iPads or iPhones and are willing to go that route to get a show or that um, people just didn't, you know, weren't quite as in tune as we had hoped or thought they would be to that $9.99 streaming on on the different uh, vehicles that you have. I don't. I could never figure out why there wasn't three million buys the next day. You know that that was one that just all of us had just had us confused. Right. Um, because if it was me, no matter you know, nine ninety nine is one trip through Wendy's. You know, it's not a lot of money for all that content. It was one of those things that I just thought was a no brainer. And once it, it became something that you didn't have to sign up for for a number of months. You could literally do it month in and month out. It really was a no-brainer. So I don't know why it is not on fire to this day. Yeah, to me, it does feel like a no-brainer. But it is interesting the way we've all sort of adjusted our viewing habits. And, I mean, I venture to say that uh, maybe, you know, 10 years ago, you probably weren't big on Netflix, but now you know your way around it. Fair to say? Yeah, but using me as, you know, as an example is not a good one. I'm a moron. Uh, I am not computer savvy, uh, but you're, but you're hundred percent correct. We're discovering stuff during this pandemic. My wife and I, this will embarrass you, but Hey, the biggest thing right now that we're watching that has our interest that we're watching every single day is Dexter. And that's a great how many, show. Year, yeah. how many, how many years old? Yeah. Very old, but it's a great show. It's awesome. It's so well done. You know, we got turned on to Netflix and I'm, again, I'm a guy that likes discovery channel and shark week and, you know, cops and, uh, live PD, all that kind of stuff. That's, that's kind of my niche of viewing. Um, but you know, we, somebody turned us on to Ozark quite possibly the best series that's been put on TV since the Sopranos. Yeah. Tremendous. I'm glad you agree. Yeah, I mean, what great minds think alike, Conrad. You know that. <laughs> but you know that led us to you know to uh, to this thing and Dexter and our neighbors were telling us years ago when this first came out. Hey, man, this thing is cool. You need to watch this. And you know, like a grain of salt. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get to it. But we never did. But there's just again, it was. I guess it's the new guy on the block. And with the network, people were skeptical. I, you know. I, I just don't know. Well, it's just, uh, interesting to me how some folks have caught up. And when I was using you as an example, I wasn't saying because you, as, as you said, are a moron, but because you were maybe a little older, you know, the kids these days are doing TikTok videos and that probably hasn't caught up to you. But the point is eventually what's, what's hot with the younger generation, the youth, as they say, eventually becomes the norm, even amongst adults. And eventually they take it over. Like these days, Facebook is mostly for older folks. You know, the, but it started as like a college thing and it's evolved. And I think that's what the network has had a bit of a challenge doing. I, every time you see people promote the WWE as a pay-per-view, like when WrestleMania was on traditional pay-per-view, there's a lot of younger people chiming in online saying, this is stupid. Who the fuck would pay $40 for a pay-per-view when you could watch the thing for $10 a month? People who don't know how to pay $10 a month. I mean, that's the idea. That's just, they're in the... Uh, hey, I've got my direct TV or my Comcast. These aren't cord cutters. These are people who still watch TV the traditional way. And they're as Bischoff would say, clicking through the channels. And then they see, Hey, WrestleMania, let's get that. Press a button. Boom. It's added to their bill and they're done. 
And that has just been the way it's been done for decades. So it's not to me too terribly surprising that it wasn't so quickly adopted, but as far as justifying the value, I think you and I are on the same page. It's probably the best value going in wrestling besides adfreeshows.com, Of course. Of course. Well, and I agree with you on that. And to be honest with you, the people that wake up on Sunday morning and go, this pay-per-view is on, you know, I forgot that was on. And they call their two neighbors who live across in the cul-de-sac say, Hey, you guys want to grab a case of beer and come over tonight, watch this. Those are the guys that can afford the forty nine ninety five, or anyway. Right. You know, these are older people that decide what they're going to do that morning when they make up and they don't necessarily plan everything way out. So I think there's a niche for everybody because those numbers, they would always tell us that you, you would be surprised at the number of people paying fifty nine ninety five or whatever it was to get it the traditional way. And we would just scratch our head and go, okay, thank God for them. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, guys, I want to give you a peek behind the curtain. Uh, I don't talk about this a lot on the show, but I absolutely love cars. It's a passion of mine that I spend maybe as much, perhaps even more time than I do with professional wrestling. I'm talking about hours a day, scouring, looking for deals, looking for value. And one of the things I've ran across is some of the cars I'm looking for need a little work. And that's not just cars that I'm looking to buy and maybe sell one day, but the cars I enjoy, I can save a bunch of money. If I do some of that stuff myself, rather than let somebody else sort of jack up the price on me. And that's what a lot of these dealerships do, but rockauto.com has always had my back. I first discovered rockauto.com back when I was getting my dad, a collector's car for his birthday. When he turned 60 years old, well, that car needed a little TLC rockauto.com had everything we needed. And recently I learned that chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics versus do it yourselfers like me and you. Not rockauto.com. Their prices are the same for everybody and reliably low. Rockauto.com always offers the lowest price possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like an airline used to. Rockauto.com is for everybody. They don't even have a membership or account login. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. So go to rockauto.com and you'll see auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They got everything you can ever need. I'm talking engine control modules to brake lamps, to uh, motor oil, even new carpet. And we're talking not just classics, but your daily driver too. Everything you need is just a few easy clicks and then it's delivered right to your door. Now the rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. So easy. Even my dad can do it. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. Choose the brands, the specs, and the prices you prefer. Why spend more for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see what's available for your car or truck. And when you get to the, how did you hear about us box, please write in Arn to let them know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Let's talk a little bit about some, some moving and shaking behind the scenes. Meltzer would report the raw debut of Sami Zayn in Montreal on May 5th, after being introduced by Bret Hart was laid out for him to lose. But to get over as a big star before an audience, uh, then it was a lock that they would react huge for him. That happened, but before he got in the ring, Zane's left shoulder went out during his ring entrance when he was leading the crowd and cheering for him. The referee immediately signaled for X, which usually means there's a legit injury and to get a doctor out, but can also be used for angles. 
In this case, it wasn't an angle. According to several in the company and others who were close with him, the injury was legit as reported on, and he underwent an MRI the very next day on May 6th. Sami Zayn is one of the more underrated performers in the game today. Uh, and I challenge people who maybe for whatever reason, aren't digging the Sami Zayn character in WWE to go back and watch some of his stuff as El Generico on the independence, because he was just, and still is a remarkable performer, but this might be some of the worst luck I've ever heard of getting hurt on your debut before you even have a chance to have the bell ring. It's uh, heartbreaking to say the least. I would suggest to Tam, to Sami Zayn. Now, I'm not sure if he's a religious man or not, but if he is, whichever God that he serves, he has incredible heat with. <laughs> I'm sorry. I never heard of anything like that blowing your shoulder out on your entrance. Now, I must have been so far underneath that day's activities or not there possibly in the rotation the night that that occurred because that's something that that would sweep the locker room i mean it would be like a wildfire and for some reason i do not remember that but if that happened that has got to be the worst case of luck there's ever been in the history of the business on his debut match correct yeah for, i mean he'd been in nxt for a while but his first big raw uh, and by the way, we have Bret Hart introduce him in his hometown of Montreal. I mean, it's just, this is supposed to be. And well, as you said, God had other plans. It's a French Canadian's dream yeah. to debut in Montreal. Those guys are over like Rover there. So God almighty, he had to have the worst night of his life. Without question. Very disappointing. Uh, some other news from Meltzer's, uh, wrestling observer, which is available at wrestlingobserver.com, by the way. Uh, he would say Hogan in Australia claimed he's going to wrestle at next year's WrestleMania. He claimed he told Vince McMahon the day after this year's mania at the Fairmont hotel in San Jose, that he was going to wrestle and claimed Vince shook his hand and said, I look forward to it. It's a combination of common sense and the sense of having a match that would work. And most importantly, if he can pass a physical next year is all hands on deck, so to speak. Hogan also claimed he turned down an opportunity to compete in the UFC when it started. We looked at it and it was very violent and the referees weren't stopping the matches and were letting guys get beat up when they should have been stopped. So we just didn't want to have any part of it, but it's become quite a phenomenon. I got to tell you, Arn, uh, wrestling fans online have had a lot of fun with, uh, Hulk Hogan's storytelling ability. I think dusty famously said, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. And it feels like Hulk Hogan maybe has that down pat and I love him all the same. I am a wrestling fan because of Hulk Hogan. So before we continue, I just want to say that clearly, but how silly is this shit? The idea that Hogan considered competing in the UFC in like 93, 94, come on. He might've considered it long enough to fold a magazine open in the shitter while he was reading it and saw an article and went, Hmm, wonder what that is. That's about as far as him considering <laughs> getting in a UFC cage was considered. It's just remarkable. I mean, this is something that pops up every now and again, especially in the last, I don't know, five or six years, you would hear fans clamor for one more match and Hogan would tease. He was going to do one more match. Of course we know, uh, he's had just a, a ton of physical ailments, uh, chronic back problems to say the least to the point that Eric Bischoff has said that, you know, he has a lot of trouble 
getting around. I mean, just standing can be a chore and, uh, he flies private and I mean, he's a very private person in that regard with these injuries, but out front, he's often talking about one more match. Did you guys always, did you ever hear any sort of rumblings that, Hey, they're really going to try to do this. Or did everybody just sort of think, Oh, this is Hogan just being a showman. No big deal. Well, I mean, he's smart enough to keep his not, you know, his name out there. Right. And there's not going to be a plethora of people that are going to go, okay, now I saw him walk in the mall or I saw him at the beach or I saw him wherever I saw he was at the gym or my friend knows his cousin or whatever. He's not able to have a match. You're not going to have a backwash of all that occurring. So uh, what I've learned about this internet, one of the one big takeaways that I have figured out over the years, and this would apply to them too, anybody can go on there and shoot their own angle. Right. Sometimes it's going to be refuted. Sometimes it's going to be ignored, but you can go and say anything. Now, are they going to be a plethora of reporters that try to get a hold of Vince McMahon and say, did that conversation happen? Was your response what we heard it was? That never happened. So you're pretty safe. And I think in a smart sense for a guy like Hulk Hogan, who wants to keep his name front and center, because the second you have a headline like that, Hogan preparing for match at WrestleMania next year, that's all you've got to do. I'm smart enough to know to type that in and it's going to blow up because people assume that all the proper channels have been addressed and all the conversations have been had and he's actually going to be healthy enough to have it. They don't realize it's just keeping your name out there, free advertising. That's exactly what he's doing. And he has, uh, he's been phenomenal at it. Uh, around the same time, Hogan and Brutus wind up having a bit of a falling out. Uh, and eventually, uh, they reconcile Has their relationship always been sort of hot and cold over the years, or is this really the first time you remember them sort of having a split? No, God, I always thought they were severely tight. And the story goes back to, I guess, Brutus did Hogan a couple of solids when they were young and, you know, Hogan never forgot it. And he, he made sure that he was taken care of, you know, in WCW and, and, uh, different places throughout. But I, you know, I had always heard they were always tight before this one breakup and I was never sure. And I don't like just spreading rumors and it's none of my business to be honest with you, but I heard they had a falling out. Yeah. And I'm glad they're back together. I mean, it's just, uh, there's certain things that just, uh, go together like peanut butter and jelly. And, and for old time fans, Hulk Hogan and Brutus, the fucking barber beefcake or, or peanut butter and jelly. I hate Steven singer. You know what else I hate? Everything happening in the world right now. Our heart breaks for those who have lost loved ones, those who are ill, struggling small businesses, and everyone affected by this. Normally, Steven Singer is in the love business and the happiness business, and this is the time when I would announce his new rose color for Mother's Day. But this year's different. I'm announcing his brand new I Love You 24 Karat Gold Dipped Rose. It's a beautiful pink blush color that will hopefully brighten your loved one's day, but Steven wants to put a little love in everyone's days so is using a portion of every rose sold to support local restaurants by purchasing catering for all the incredible nurses, doctors, first responders, and hospital workers taking care of us. You can purchase an I Love You Rose and know you're sending love to the moms in your life while also supporting independent restaurants and thanking essential workers. 
If you're looking to celebrate someone, simply say, I love you or honor mom on mother's day. Steven singer is shipping as fast and safely as possible. Steven treats his customers as family and he's here for you. So go now to I hate for free and touchless delivery and include a free personalized message of love. That's I hate Uh, let's talk about the NXT brand and how it's really growing here in 2015. Meltzer would write WWE's attempt to establish NXT as a viable touring brand looks thus far to be an early success with a weekend Northeast tour that got rave reviews. Paul Levesque has described the remainder of 2015 as an experimental year. They'll be running more and more shows on the road, not just around the country, but they're even talking about a European tour. They're looking at running different types of buildings to see what works and what doesn't, and perhaps even doing some festival style touring as well. The plan for 2016 is for NXT to become a full-time touring brand running three high shows per week in a certain part of the country, just like the other two major tours. Thus far, the fan reaction at every show outside of Florida has been phenomenal. This year, the question is what the drawing power will be when they go into markets and play them a second time and figure out what size of building they're best suited for. Uh, Paul had said the ultimate goal would be running both the national touring NXT shows, as well as running at the same time, the smaller Florida arena shows in the 250 to 500 seat buildings, giving the younger talent ring experience and maybe keeping some headliners. He said, this is the goal for the next few years down the line. And it makes sense because they've got somewhere between 65 to 70 wrestlers in Orlando. And the only way they can really learn the business is to perform in front of live crowds regularly. So this is really the rise of NXT. It started to get a bunch of attention with that takeover show in 2015. And man, they were just off to the races. Um, what was the, the word you're getting, uh, as an agent about NXT, what the plans were, what the growth was, and what did you think about the method they were using to sort of recruit talent, train talent, and then get them ready for the main roster with NXT. Now, knowing me personally, as we have gotten to be friends over the last couple of years, sure. what do you think my opinion was of that? Uh, I think, uh, two sides of the coin. I think the old school traditionalist in you absolutely loves that. These guys are going to be working in front of live crowds and front of smaller buildings and honing their craft. But I think the other part of you, the person who works for WWE at the time is probably thinking, uh, oh shit, this ain't going to be all good for me. <sighs> You know what? You're 50% right. I love the fact because it was a wrestling show. Basics, fundamentals, teaching these kids coming in because a lot of them were not students of the business. We went out and we solicited a lot of that talent that's at NXT. They weren't, they weren't guys that were independents that had put their time in work for nothing or little or nothing, uh, had driven thousand mile round trips to get a booking and all those things that a lot of us did. Some of these guys were having to, to pay those dues and you were happy to hear that. You were happy to hear the fact that they were teaching fundamentals, not necessarily moonsaults off the top to the floor, power bombs through tables and all that stuff, even though that's a big part of the culture now. I'm not I'm not saying that. I'm just saying before you do all that, you gotta properly be able to do an arm drag or a hip toss or a headlock takeover or a backdrop or a slam or a backbreaker. You got to be able to wrestle through uh, 
you know, chain wrestling and things of that nature before you get to that other stuff. And that was what was being taught. And Triple H, to his credit, was able to teach those things because he knows if you watch his style and you watch a lot of guys around him, you know, Shawn Michaels and different guys like that, they had a knowledge of chain wrestling and and making it make sense and having psychology and not doing things that were too big for for where you're trying to put them. And, and once I saw all that was being taught, I was on board. And the fact that they, I knew they could go out if they took the show that was on TV and took it out on the road, which would be a wrestling show with some stars from the independent scene, which our audience are up to speed on. They're very, very smart. They know who the indie guys are and who the hot guys are and who's going to be possibly the next star. So, that all fell into place. Plus, you've got the kids that have had nothing but time in the gym, just training matches. They could go, you know, to the Florida towns and do the 250 people to 300 people. That's still a lot of people reacting to what you do, and they'll give you plenty of feedback on what's going on. So I thought it was a great idea, and I still do. It has definitely captured uh, the hearts and minds of a lot of fans. Uh, but it does feel like, and again, I know when I bring this up, you're going to, uh, no matter what you say, we're going to be criticized because you now work for AEW. but it felt like before AEW was a thing on TV every week, NXT was sort of the, the it cool company. And it's of course, WWE, but I'm saying people didn't miss NXT. It was the most talked about show around. And now with AEW, for whatever reason, it feels like the perception and the, the quote unquote swag of NXT has diminished a little bit. Um, and I can't put my finger on why that is. Do you agree? And, 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 and if so, why do you think that is? Well, do you think that some of the guys from the main roster have been bumped back, back down? Um, so that you have more star power on that show. Now this is in, in the, uh, you know, the front office's mind. Okay, we'll take some of these proven talent and bump them back down to make that a more competitive brand with those people. But when they come back down, they bring the Raw or SmackDown, whichever, you know, show they came from, they bring their style with them. So it's not NXT and NXT-style matches. Now it's guys from the... From the uh, you know, Raw or SmackDown that are bringing their style of work back down with them, so that show dynamic changes. Does that make sense? They're yeah. what they're seeing a lot of the stuff that they see on Monday or they see on Friday. Now it's on NXT, so it's not a pure NXT show. May have some to do with it. Yeah, hard to argue. Let's yeah. talk about uh, some some other moves happening mm -hmm. down there at the PC. Meltzer would write: WWE officially announced Matt Bloom as the new head trainer of the Performance Center. He's been working in that role since the departure of Bill DeMai, and it's generally believed he was no longer interim, but the official change in promotion took place this past week. Uh, in addition, uh, Sarah Amato, formerly Sarah Del Rey, was named assistant head coach, which is promotion from assistant coach. She's essentially the number two trainer on the roster, which is a real feather in her cap regarding work because uh, she's both a woman in that role and put ahead of men who have far more experience in wrestling 
and also because she herself never had a big time us promotion experience. So let's talk about these two guys. These are the folks who are sort of the secret sauce of NXT that we've enjoyed the last five years. Matt Bloom, the former a train, the former Albert, uh, and Sarah Del Rey. Do you have any sort of relationship with those guys? And what can you tell us about them? Yeah. From a personal level, I love Baldo. I had the opportunity to be his producer when he was wrestling and, you know, the guy was a monster, you know, and he still is a monster. I mean, he's just a big, rugged guy, but also a sweetheart. And uh, also with the knowledge that, I mean, he wasn't a high spot guy. He was a guy that, you know, was a nuts and bolts type guy that was just big and rugged and he could kick ass and get his ass kicked and very mobile for a guy that size, you know. Um, he was another guy that they started and stopped with, uh, what was the Japanese gimmick that he had for a minute? Oh yeah. Yeah. Tensai or something like that. Yeah. Never got a chance to get rolling. That was one of the, another one of those deals where, okay, let's change his look completely changes his name and all that stuff. Oh, he had one week, uh, they weren't clamoring and coming out of the ceiling for him second week. Okay. Okay, three three week run is up. So you couldn't expect anything from that. Uh, he's another victim of one of those. But I think going back down to NXT, and I think he has a lot of patience because he's just a good human being, the guy that I know. And uh, he's great with those kids and does a good job. Now, I know I was only around Sarah for a short time when she got pulled up to the main roster. I think she was much more comfortable not being in that role, being back at NXT, uh, it's a lot of pressure when you put those headsets on and you sit down up there and, and Vince is two seats away and you got to call a match with the truck and, and make sure that you stay ahead of everything and everything you say is clear and you're talking sound bites and, uh, you're, you're way ahead of when things are supposed to happen and all that. I mean, there's a lot that goes on to being a producer other than just, going out in the afternoon and suggesting things. And I think that kind of pressure she wasn't ready for, and she made a smart move by going back down and uh, helping the kids. Let's uh, let's talk about some other news and notes here. Let's talk about Steve Borden Jr. The son of Sting is getting an NFL tryout as a tight end with the Kansas City Chiefs minicamp. He played at Kentucky, uh, but he wasn't drafted, and most folks considered him a long shot to make it. Um and when asked if he doesn't make the team, if he'd try pro wrestling, he was quoted as saying, I always tell people if one day I'm homeless on the streets, then I might try it. Uh, he's six foot three, 255 pounds. And Meltzer would say he looks like a, a cross between sting and, and a young Uriah Faber. Did you ever hear any sort of rumblings from, from the sting camp as to whether or not, uh, his kids were ever going to consider wrestling or like a lot of wrestling dads, did he sort of wag his finger and say, you do not need to get in this business. That's probably so. Um, I'm sure Vent or, uh, sting didn't encourage him. And I don't know if he discouraged him or not. I don't really know how to take the quote from the kid. I don't, I'm not sure that if he was homeless, he might give it a try. That's a little strong. You might want to <laughs> give it a try before, a little bit before that happens. I don't sure. know. Um, but I, I wasn't really up to speed on, uh, Sting's boy. I, you know, once he started getting the mainstream, 
attention a little bit, you know, as far as being on the internet and quotes and different things of that nature. I kind of asked some guys and found out he was really a big kid and all that, but I don't know how that shook out. Did it ever work out for him one way or the other? I think if he was playing pro ball, it would probably have. We would have heard about uh, it. We would have heard about it. Yeah. So, you know, I know Sting is a good, probably a good role model for the kid. He's Sting's a good guy. I've often said he's one of the better guys in the business as far as being a human being. Uh, so I'm sure he got it in the right path and he's got something positive going on in his life. I can't imagine he wouldn't. Yeah. Ultimately it didn't work out. He didn't wind up making the team and, uh, I don't know what he's doing these days. We need to find out, but we do, we do know what he's not doing and that's wrestling. This episode is sponsored by blue chew. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Well, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. It's bluechew.com. That's blue. Like the color blue and blue chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA active ingredients as both Viagra and Cialis. And you can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they can work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. If you could benefit from more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at the pharmacy and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy, and best of all, there's no more awkwardness. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use our promo code ARN, A-R-N. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com. The promo code is ARN, and you get to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, Meltzer would say, Chris Jericho announced in early May he's returning to WWE this summer for a house show tour. Similar to his WWE return earlier this year, Jericho says he's only appearing on house shows. Included in the 19-date schedule is the WWE International Tour hitting Singapore and Tokyo in July. Jericho said he enjoys the house shows because he doesn't have to worry about TV time constraints and he can work with newer stars. He said he has an idea of who he's wrestling, but it's always card subject to change depending on how storylines shake out. And the tour is going to begin on June 12th and run through SummerSlam uh, and wrap up at the end of August. Um, this is an interesting thing because we've seen guys like the rock and, and, and big stars like that pop back in, but they only want to do the big shows. Jericho, maybe he doesn't want to be subjected. If that's the right word to WWE creative, but he enjoys wrestling. So working house shows only, which I don't think I've ever heard of before. Pretty sweet gig here, huh? You bet. And, uh, Chris has done it. You know, now when you look at his total body of work, the fact that he chose to do that at that time and was able to do that just tells you how many times he's recreated himself, you know, up until right now. So I think he had enough TV time that everybody knew who he was. He didn't necessarily have to have that when he showed up at the arenas. They knew who he was, and and uh, it was a smart move because the house shows are the fun part. You're not there, you know, early in the afternoon and till late at night and and having all the pressure and having them hand you a sheet or two sheets of promo stuff that that you got to digest. You just go out and you just go wrestle and entertain the fans and entertain yourself and your, your opponent. And it's, it's the fun part of the business. 
Yeah, it is the fun part of the business. I mean, it feels like something that a lot of old timers who sort of know the way the WWE system works would opt for. I mean, hypothetically, if, if you were told, Hey man, you can wrestle one more summer, but it's gotta be with WWE. You'd probably opt for a house show schedule, huh? Yeah, I would think so. Cause that's where you make your money. You know, even with houses that are half to three quarters full, when you're talking 200, 250, 225, you know, $25,000 houses, still a nice payoff. It is a nice payoff. Let's keep it going here and talk about something that's going to be pretty topical again in a few weeks. Dark side of the ring is doing an episode on Owen Hart and, uh, Owen pops up in the news here. Wade Keller would report WWE is planning an Owen Hart DVD release, but without the backing of Martha Hart and her family, according to a revised report from wrestling Thursday's report noted that the DVD project had the backing of Martha and her children, but wrestling DVD news says they were contacted by Martha stating. Otherwise the report, uh, statement was my children and I were unaware of this project until May 7th, when it was brought to our attention by a friend of ours who had read about it online. Contrary to your report, we do not support or back it in any way, nor has WWE requested our backing or support. From what little we know of the project, it seems to be another attempt to exploit Owen's memory, his tragic death, all for commercial gain. We have resisted that kind of initiative for almost 16 years, and if WWE really wanted to honor Owen's legacy, it would just let him rest in peace. So pretty controversial decision here. Martha's always been out front saying that, Hey, that's it. No more WWE Owen stuff. Uh, but fans really want it. I mean, Owen has become this legendary figure. Uh, I mean, obviously he was a great wrestler beforehand, but he has become one of the most beloved figures in WWE history posthumously. Um, we haven't talked a lot about Owen Hart, me and you, any interesting or fun Owen Hart memories you can share with us from back in the day. Well, I'm, I'm sad to say that that I wasn't around him more than what I was. He's legendary with his ribbon and the guys. He's legendary just from the positive um, personality that he brings to the locker room. All that being said, before you even get to the fact that he was an excellent worker. Um, I know it was one of the, if not the, darkest days in the history of our business. I was home. I was working for uh, WCW at the time, and I had cut on that pay-per-view, and I was, for whatever reason, watching it, which I normally didn't didn't buy pay-per-view, but I bought that one, and and I was kind of in and out and doing stuff out in the garage, and I think on the deck or whatever, and just half-ass watching it. But I came in, and it was just the timing was was terrible because there was just the announced team was sitting there and they were just laying out. They weren't saying anything. And I looked, I want to say it was Jerry Lawler. I looked at his face and his face just said it all. I mean, it looked like he had just seen a ghost and a legitimate ghost. And it was just the looks on the announcer's faces for that brief time before anybody said anything, told me something bad had happened. Now, I had no idea of how bad it could be, but then I I started watching more and more and more, and my phone started ringing, and uh, guys were calling me, said, God, any chance you're watching the pay-per-view, you know, WWF pay-per-view, da-da-da. 
something bad has happened. And uh, then I started to get the word. And, and man, it's one of those things that you just, you knew it was possible, but you put it so far in the back of your head that somebody could actually lose their life in the ring. I mean, every one of us that go to the ring that are smart enough to know on any day you could get hurt, on any day you could get crippled. I don't think any of us put in the back of our head any day you go to the ring you can die. I know that I, I didn't go that far in my my thinking. Um, and, man, it was just a really, really, really dark day, and we lost a one of the good guys of the business. Um as far as, you know, the friend he was to the guys, the performer he was for the uh, audience and, and uh, the family member, husband, father, all those things, the positive things that you can be. I, I guess just from talking to other people, he was really a favorite of a lot of the guys. So it was a terrible day. Let's talk about payback. Let's get to a brighter spot. We see our truth pin stardust in six minutes and 47 seconds. Uh, Meltzer would say not much to this one with our truth winning after the lie detector star and a quarter. It, it's, it's hard to believe that, that this is what we're doing with Cody Rhodes, knowing what we know about Cody Rhodes. Now, uh, you and I haven't ever talked about it here on the show. what do you think of the stardust character? Well, I, I didn't, I didn't dislike it from the fact that the costuming and Cody looked good in that character. I know that, uh, every time I dealt with Cody from day one, he would give you the best he could. And I knew that, that there were, or there should be some good things happening for him in the business cause his attitude was good. His ability was good straight away. And they put this character on him. I didn't know how strongly he was against it until later. Um, but he did. I thought he did a good job with it, and he looked good in the costuming and the whole deal. But there was no plan past that to take Cody Rhodes, who everyone knew was the son of of Dusty Rhodes, and take that character and didn't have to do anything with with uh, gold dust or anything to do with the American dream, but somehow elevate that character. But when they change you and change your characters and you just stay at a level push, you don't go anywhere with that. Then what was the reason to change you? If there were no positive plans, you know, to, to elevate you. And that was what I couldn't figure out. Um, I know that there was probably on this match, no build, no story, no nothing, probably, right? Yeah. So you know what you do? You go out when you have no story and no build and you're a new character and some people know who you are and some know who you're not underneath that paint. And, uh, you know, you just go out and have a first match match. I would expect that the reaction would have been minimal probably for that. Let's talk about the next match. The Ascension taking on Macho Mandow and Axel Mania, two minutes and 49 seconds. Uh, Meltzer would say Axel went full on Hogan wearing a Hogan red and yellow outfit, the do rag, the, uh, the bleached Fu Manchu. He does all the Hogan stuff complete with the leg drop on Connor, but Victor makes the save. Mandow goes to the top rope for the elbow, but Connor shoves him off and the Ascension hit the fall of man and pin him. 
and the announcers act like it's a blow off for the mega powers for the meta powers rather. And Sandow and Axel team is going bye-bye, but they were still together at the SmackDown tapings, half a star, a lot to unpack here because all these guys are now no longer with WWE, the Ascension. We've sort of talked about them a little bit before, uh, very capable performers. They had really good matches in NXT, but when they get to the main roster very quickly, the announcers position them as something akin to cosplay road warriors. It's just the kiss of death and not fair to the guys. Would you agree? Yes. And fit Finley used to say this and and he and I would, you know, talk about it all the time. Why would you take any character that is on our show that that the company professes to being the number one wrestling company or the number one sports entertainment company in the entire world and put them on our TV show with valuable TV time and bury them, have the announcers bury them, make them, how do we make them look bad on our own show? What is the sense to all that? What could the mentality possibly to be to get guys out there and other than enhancement and enhance them in every way possible, get them out there and make clowns out of them. And it happens all the time. Is it a Vince call? Sure. Everything character wise passes by the big chair on, you know, if it's the last place they go, it goes by the the big chair for approval. Make no mistake. Characters, uh, angles, you name it. Shit. Son of a bitch. These are the noises I used to make when I cut myself shaving before I knew about manscaped.com. Thank you, Manscaped, for turning my loud shrieks into multiple peaks. Here's the thing, guys. We've all had a little situation before maybe we were even a little embarrassed about. But now those cuts and nicks are a thing of the past thanks to the Lawnmower 3.0. And here's the deal. You've heard us talking about Manscaped for a long time, but their team has spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. We're talking about the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. The battery lasts up to 90 minutes to give you a longer shave. You've even got an LED light, which is going to help you illuminate the shaving area. They also has, and check this out, a rapid charging dock powered by USB. This is premium. And when I say premium, I mean it. This thing's changing the lives of our listeners in ways that are too explicit to explain. But let me just tell you that uh, your dick, your balls, and your partner will thank you. So you need to try it for yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the promo code ARN at manscaped.com. Now, let me just speak candidly. I don't know what causes them to want to do something special for you, but I know what hurts it. And this helps it. Every action moves you a little closer or a little further away from the goal. And if your goal is to, uh, roll tide, you gotta go do this. Go to manscaped.com, get 20% off and free shipping. When you use the promo code ARN at manscaped.com, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use the promo code ARN. I'm telling you, your partner will thank you, but really it's not for them. It's for you. You know what I'm talking about. It's just, uh. It's a little, little bit of a head scratcher. Uh, well, so we've covered the Ascension. Let's talk about the meta powers here with macho man down and Axel mania. I know this is quote unquote silly, but that's the idea that it's supposed to be fun. And dusty wants to shoot interview where he talked about putting together a wrestling card and 
he sort of drew comparisons to the circus. And he said, yeah, you need the lion tamers. You need the trapeze artists, but you need the clowns too. And the idea is there's something for everybody. You know, maybe that segment wasn't for you, but stay tuned. It's coming. I loved the pairing. Uh, I, I think Damien Sandow, when he was doing the stuff with the Miz and he was the stunt double was tremendous. I enjoyed this, but for whatever reason, it doesn't feel like the WWE wants to get behind it. What'd you think of it? Did you think it was too silly? And, uh, what can you tell us about why WWE sort of wanted to move away from it? Uh, I think it was just something that was meant to be a one-off and, and why you would just go out and basically have one guy, um, not steal another guy's gimmick, but, but to take on another guy's gimmick. I mean, Hulk Hogan is the, is the most renowned character probably in the history of the business. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. It's a common word. I mean, there are a lot of big stars that have came and gone and, but I mean, if you say Hulk Hogan, everybody's heard that they know that to put that on a guy and, you know, if it's, if it's, it just doesn't make any sense to go out. I think it brings down the Hogan character. And if you do just a one-off or, or two, and then, you know, you squash those characters and you beat them, you know, the second you beat them, all the fun goes out of the Ms. Dow and, and, uh, Axel characters, doesn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, I just, not, not that I'm saying you need to beat uh, the Ascension again because God knows those guys got beat enough. And the second you walked them in the door and, and said, Road Warriors, and in any comparison, you just buried those guys. They can't live up to that, nor they should be expected to. So, I mean, it's just, you know, it's just throwing things out there without thinking them through. Axel, Curtis Axel's dad for God's sakes, was Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning, who was as good a performer as ever graced this built this industry. He was as good and as creative and as ahead of his time as anybody ever has been. For Joe to not be able to go out on TV his first time and say, hey, I'm not my dad, I'm Joe, but my dad was Kurt Henning, very proud of that fact and I'm going to try to do everything I can to make him proud of me and excel in this business my granddad was also and fill in the name for me here oh uh, Larry the Axe Henning yes Larry the Axe Henning sorry I had a brain fart no disrespect to the Axe but his lineage was huge in this industry why he wasn't able to take advantage of that and you just go that way you know that was something else that you know, it was guys would come up and you know, they wouldn't get to be who they were or who their dad was or who their uncle was. Well, that's that just makes the business bigger that you have second and third generation wrestlers that are doing well and you see what an edge they have. Uh, for, for Curtis Axel to not be who he was and them try to name him two or three different times and the kid could perform. He could work. You could have done better by that. And a lot of, and a lot of characters that have came along with, with huge lineages, you just, for whatever reason, it's like, no, name him something else. He just recently got released. Uh, I'll be honest. I kind of forgot he was even still with the company. They hadn't used him in so long on TV. Were you surprised that they never found any place for him? I mean, this is a guy who 
was, was praised in a major way. Like even when the rock was coming back and trying to get ready for a comeback, he would, he would go to this guy and say, Hey man, let's, let's work it out and let's work together. And very capable performer is my point. And for whatever reason, they can't figure it out with WWE. Yep. I know. I know. I, I was there with it and, uh, him and Bo Dallas made a good team, but you know, they've always got this feeling in the back of their head that performance is not enough. You know, the fact that the guys look like good athletes is not enough. You always got to put some, some entertainment on it. Well, if everybody's entertaining, I think nobody's entertaining. Yeah. If everybody has the same gimmick, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody's trying to do ha-ha, then ha-ha, it is overdone, and you don't appreciate any of it. Like yeah. you said earlier, everybody should have a niche. And, uh, you know, his niche was just he, he could go out and go. The point you're trying to make about if everybody's entertaining and nobody's entertaining is, you know, if what makes a guy special is his comedy, but every match has comedy, well, he's not so special anymore. And the first time I heard that comparison in wrestling was a Jim Cornette quote when he said, uh, if you got a locker room full of seven footers, you ain't got no giants. The idea being, you've got to have smaller guys to really emphasize how big this guy really is. But if everybody's that size, well, they all look the same and nobody's a giant. Exactly. All right, let's get to the next match. We've got Dolph Ziggler and uh, Sheamus here. This is a rematch from Extreme Rules. It was a kiss me arse match. Um, this one's going to get 12 minutes, 22 seconds. Melter would say good match. Similar to last month. They came out fast. Uh, eventually though. There's a, uh, well, a situation Ziggler headbutts Seamus and busts his own head open with a deep cut that needs 10 stitches over his right eye. He's bleeding all over the place and the cameras are having to struggle to sort of shoot around the injury. They immediately go home with Seamus hitting the bro kick for the pin. It gets three and a quarter stars. Uh, and they had plenty of time here, 12 minutes, 22 seconds. But as we said, Seamus gets the win. Ziggler is a bloody mess. What do you remember about this one? Yeah, it was just a, uh, one of those that backfired on Dolph. He laid that headbutt in, and Seamus is hard-headed. We've talked about that. A <laughs> uh, little pun there. But uh, I'm sure that uh, in that time that they had allotted, they were tearing it up. Dolph has that ability to make everybody look better than they are. And Seamus was a big crowbar. I'm sure it was very physical. I understand that they, uh, they finally paid off the kiss my arse portion that they didn't get in the previous pay-per-view. Right. Yep. It's just a high spot. Yep. You know, they could have got it during, I think we talked about on that particular show, they could have got it. Uh, there and got it here too. When it's something that demeaning, you could probably get a little mileage out of it. So, um, but I'm sure that, you know, the, the, um, it was stopped by the trainer, which is a real thing. When a guy gets busted open, the match stops and talent safety is first and foremost. So that was one of those deals, I guess, that really happened. Just unfortunate that they cut the match short. Next up, we see Seth Rollins and Kane backstage discussing the main event and Kane is teasing that he's going to let Rollins lose saying that losing may teach him how to be a real champion and a real man. And he would continue that he doesn't need this job. 
but he loves it, but he'd stand idly by and let Rollins lose. Well, the security team here, Noble and Mercury, they're trying to get tough with Kane. He's just laughing in their faces. And Meltzer would critique this and say, so instead of the world title being pushed to find out who the best is of the top four guys, now it's all about what Kane might do. What'd you think of this? Oh yeah. That kind of muddies up the waters of who's the best of the best. Doesn't it? It does. You know, and that's, that's the one thing when you've got, when you're being led as a announcer, you have to say what is being fed you. You know, just hearing the story, and again, sometimes when I go back and I hear the story of the match and I hear about things that happen or I watch and I see things happen, it makes you really wonder why you did stuff. But to me, that story is pretty simple. You got three members of the Shield and you have Randy Orton as the fourth guy, right, in the match? Yeah, well, we haven't talked about the match yet, but yeah, that's exactly right. It is a four-way. It's uh, Seth Rollins, Randy Orton, Dean Ambrose, and Roman Reigns. All I was saying is on that particular backstage promo, wouldn't wouldn't you have been better served as an audience member by them just hypothetically having the shield back there and just saying, no doubt you have the odds, and the odds are ridiculous. There's three of you guys and Randy Orton. And let those guys tell you that it's going to be decided amongst those three that Randy won't won't have a say in it one way or the other. Which immediately, when you tell me that, I'm thinking right away, Randy, Randy's going to be the guy. You know, you can drop little hints that say this will never happen. But in our business, that's just a neon saying that's exactly what's going to happen. Right. There were ways to tease that in that earlier promo before you ever get to the match. I think not, not just to mean it by, it doesn't matter what the rest of those guys do. Those are all top guys. It just matters what Kane does. That's uh, just feels like a little bit of a lame tease to me. You know, listen, every week I tell you that I can save you some money at SaveWithConrad.com, but I decided this week, let's do something a little different. Don't take my word for it. Let's read some five-star reviews that were just left this month for SaveWithConrad.com. Christopher in Indiana says the process was painless and easy, direct communication and quick responses to questions throughout the process. Honest advice put me in a position to save tons of money and pay off my mortgage quicker. Charles from Ohio. Jimmy is what made it great. He answered every one of my stupid questions with patience and grace. Brenda from Ohio. Awesome. Right from the start. Being out of state was no issue. First family made everything super easy and convenient. They were available before, during, and after business hours. I cannot say enough good things. Brian from Missouri. Everyone was terrific to deal with. Jimmy was very professional and super easy to deal with. He answered all of our questions promptly and accurately. I would recommend Jimmy to anyone I know. Michael from West Virginia. Everyone was professional and made the whole process easy. The entire process took a month and every step of the way, someone was available when I had questions, just an awesome company. Thomas from Tennessee, Derek was great to work with and made the experience easy and always reliable, always available to answer questions. Neil from Florida, fast, friendly, knowledgeable. Randall from Ohio, awesome right from the start. Being out of state was no issue. Steven from Ohio, simple, fast, no issues and blew my previous mortgage company out of the water with great customer service and were always quick to get back to me whenever I had questions. 
Robert from Indiana, easy to keep in contact. I was able to use email and text messages for most of the deal, which made this very easy to get done. Five stars. John from Ohio. I love the texting and easy communication from this mortgage team. Closing was simple and awesome as well. Brendan from Arizona gave us five stars and said, great communication, great response times, just an overall great experience. Austin from Florida says huge listener of Conrad's podcast and everything he says is true. He can help you save money and take years off of your loan. Jimmy was great to work with amazingly painless experience compared to others I've had. Thank you very much. And no, I should be thanking you guys. First of all, thanks for listening to the podcast. And second, thanks for trusting me enough to have a shot at saving you some money. But most of all, thank you for your business. And I hope you enjoy all of the savings that we provided for your family. But if you're listening to this and you haven't gone to savewithconrad.com yet, what are you waiting for? We're licensed in more than 40 states. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And if we can't help you save money, we won't waste your time. But if you've got a 30-year loan, if you've got a second mortgage, if you've got credit card debt, you're overpaying your single biggest bill and you may not realize it. We're going to show you how to get the best interest rate possible and skip a couple of house payments. But in the process, you're going to save hundreds of dollars per month. And more importantly, pay your house off faster with cheaper monthly payments. If you're serious about keeping more of your own money and getting out of debt faster, retiring on time and eliminating your credit card debt, you should hurry to savewithconrad.com. Find out how much money you can save for free right now. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender, savewithconrad.com. Uh, I do want to give everybody a peek behind the curtain. Uh, you're uh, using a massage chair today. It's one of those uh, tough days being a wrestler. Fair to say? Yeah. Is it coming across? You're, are you hearing noise? Well, maybe a little bit here and there. We're just, I, I'm applauding you for soldiering on today because I know that you know, your back's not in having its best day today. And, uh, I mean, it could have been worse. You could have been receiving all those spine busters all those years, but you can only take so many doomsday devices before eventually you get a little hitch in your giddy up, huh? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it just depends on how I sleep that night or if I've been over and picked up something the wrong way the day before it comes and goes, it's not all the time, but today is one of those days, obviously that it's, uh, it's giving me fits. So if I hear a little something in the background, that's what it is. And I apologize. Oh, you don't have to apologize. We appreciate, uh, you know, the realism that, Hey, this isn't uh, ballet as they say, uh, and the next match proves that it's the two out of three falls. Uh, we absolutely love these guys. It's the new day taking on Tyson kid and Cesaro. Again, it's a rematch, uh, but we're not upset about that at all. Uh, this one's two out of three falls. As we said, new day retain, um, pretty cool stuff here. Meltzer would say in some ways, the match was great doing three falls in 12 minutes made no sense. And there were several key mistimed spots, including the second fall finish. Uh, but we do see lots of fun stuff. Cesaro gets to use the giant swing into a kid drop kick, which is really something you got to see. Um, I'm a fan of these guys. At the end of the day, our favorites, Tyson Kidd and Cesaro didn't get their hand raised, but Meltzer still liked it. Three and a half stars. Uh, they're, they're trying to use the, uh, the free bird rule here a little bit with the three members of the new day and making the most of it. These are entertaining, underrated matches. And, uh, I know you have a soft spot for tags. I know you love this one. Oh yeah, I did. You know, and they made sure it was different from the one before and they're always being creative and 
ways to change things up but still get their signature stuff in there. And the New Day was really working hard. And it's just one of those things that anything is possible when all hands are on deck. And uh, and they were that day. It was probably one of the top couple of matches on the show, I would imagine. Next up is Bray Wyatt and Ryback. Uh, we're, we're sort of winding Ryback's in-ring WWE career here down. Uh, Bray Wyatt picks up a win, 10 minutes, 52 seconds. He would describe it as being very physical, although not a lot of heat. Sister Abigail gets the pin, two and three-quarter stars. We haven't spent a ton of time talking about these two guys, but you know Bray Wyatt, a year prior, was wrestling John Cena at WrestleMania. It feels like his star is fading a little bit here. They're going to try to heat him back up. Ryback, sort of the same story. Back when he was feuding with CM Punk just a few years prior to this, they were setting pay-per-view records at the time. I mean, uh, the, uh, the highest pay-per-view numbers for a non-WrestleMania were, were Ryback when he had that streak going and, and he was challenging CM Punk. Here, it feels like these are both guys we're trying to level up, but we're not sure why they weren't already there. What do you think watching the match, Frank? Well, it was probably be a best of the guys that had not fared so well. Uh, in their last six pay-per-views or so. I know Bray Wyatt went on a string that he didn't win a match on a pay-per-view. I I think I heard this eight in a row. I believe it. Something like that. And I know that Ryback caught on. I mean, this guy's a monster and, and, and could get around the ring pretty damn good as a monster. And I know that there was a time when he first started getting his babyface push that the people got with him big time and they believed in him and they, you know, the feed me more stuff. They were chanting that and he was selling merchandise and, you know, um, and I had a lot of his matches during that time and, and I thought he was getting over. And, it, and again, I don't know why I even question this, but it, and it's like all of a sudden he's getting the good push and then, you know, you had the nice run with Punk and all that stuff and then things just started to, it's like somebody unplugged it. Who will know? He will know. He can tell you, I'm sure. I, I can't tell you the backstage stuff or the conversations. I just know he was a pleasure to do business with. And same with Bray Wyatt, who was very, very creative and knew his character and all the elements would have been there for that to have been a dynamite match if it would have been built properly. And I could pretty much assure you that it wasn't. Let's, uh, let's talk about the next match. This would have been one you were agenting. It's John Cena and Rusev in an I quit match for the United States title. And unbelievably they get 27 minutes, 59 seconds. Uh, of course we know what's coming at the end. Um, Cena has the STF while wrapping the top rope around his face. And I, this is after Rusev has undone the rope. So they're going to use the ropes as part of the finish. Rusev is screaming in Bulgarian. Apparently I quit in that language. So Lana is going to effectively quit for him. Three and a half stars. I really loved, I think, um, I don't know that mean you've mentioned the phrase before, but Somewhere in this era, maybe four, maybe 13, maybe 14, people started to refer to John as big match. John, the idea being he'd go out and have a passable house show match and he cut a great promo on TV, but when the chips were down in a big time pay-per-view style attraction, you were going to get a big performance from John Cena. This is no different. It gets three and a half stars, but 
the creativity of unhooking the rope and using it as part of the finish. I loved, I'm sure you were a fan of it. What can you tell us about it? It was my idea, <laughs> but, uh, the thing that, you know, the thing about it is you go back and we look at everything with, with hindsight being 2020 and Monday morning quarterback and, and all that stuff. As the, let's just say from halfway through the match when things started to get big and they were using the steps and they were hitting finishes on top of the steps and and all the stuff that literally could hurt you so bad that you might say, I quit. That all made sense. I feel like going back and looking at it, there was too much small stuff on the front side that no one would ever say I quit from. And it, to me, it slowed the match down. It just uh, it made it a little bit incredulous that a guy would think the other guy was going to say I quit over something real small. And I think there was a lot of that stuff on the, the front side that was just filling time that we could have been, did a better job on. And, and, and I blame all of us. You know, but once it got rolling and there was some big stuff and the story with Lana and Rusev and all that, when it all started coming to, you know, to fruition, it got better and it got better. And the only downside of it was that now Rusev had lost three in a row right. on pay-per-view. Yeah. And again, this was a guy that I was on board with. I thought he had a huge upside for one year. He did not lose. And it was paying off. And in an era where you really couldn't get heat, I think this guy was starting to get some steam. And then once you lose three in a row and they weren't two months apart or three months apart, they were bang, 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 probably three months in a row. That's a lot of losses on pay-per-view. And uh, that was just another one. And uh, that series of matches they had that did, that did a lot towards cooling Rusev off let's uh let's keep it moving here and uh talk about the next match it's naomi and tamina snooker they're gonna wrestle the bella twins for six minutes and nine seconds this is a bad spot to be in Meltzer would describe it as a death spot and the crowd's not into it because they were so hot for the match before um he would say the match fell apart at the finish when snooker was supposed to grab nikki's leg as she went into the ropes nikki went to the ropes and she wasn't there so nikki paused and waited uh, Naomi hit the rear view, but Nikki kicked out. Bree did a plancha off the steps onto Snuka, but Naomi slammed Nikki off the top rope for the pin. One star. Um, you know, you hate to see a missed spot like this, but the ladies are working hard. You and I are big Nikki Bella fans. We think the world of uh, everybody involved in this match, but for whatever reason, the chemistry just wasn't there. And uh, we had a bad night. It gets one star. The work was okay, but that one blown spot. Nobody really knew what to do. Less than ideal. Yeah, and I just leave it on that. They, I'm sure they had better outings on different nights, and they're better than that. And uh, I'm sure in following matches and follow-up matches to that, they gave a much better uh, accounting of themselves. Some nights you have bad nights. They might have just had a bad night. I hate Steven Singer. You know what else I hate? Everything happening in the world right now. 
Our heart breaks for those who have lost loved ones, those who are ill, struggling small businesses, and everyone affected by this. Normally, Steven Singer is in the love business and the happiness business, and this is the time when I would announce his new rose color for Mother's Day. But this year's different. I'm announcing his brand new I Love You 24 karat gold dipped rose. It's a beautiful pink blush color that will hopefully brighten your loved one's day, but Steven wants to put a little love in everyone's days, so he's using a portion of every rose sold to support local restaurants by purchasing catering for all the incredible nurses, doctors, first responders, and hospital workers taking care of us. You can purchase an I Love You Rose and know you're sending love to the moms in your life while also supporting independent restaurants and thanking essential workers. If you're looking to celebrate someone, simply say I Love You or Honor Mom on Mother's Day. Steven Singer is shipping as fast and safely as possible. Steven treats his customers as family and he's here for you. So go now to IHateStevenSinger.com for free and touchless delivery and include a free personalized message of love. That's I hate Steven singer.com. Let's, uh, let's talk about the next match. It's Neville and bad news bear at seven minutes and 23 seconds by count out. Meltzer would say a weird match, pretty much inexplicable in its goal. It was hard for them. So late in the card, really, this should have been the second or third best match on the show. And it was a nothing. Neville went to the top rope. Barrett rolled out of the ring. Neville does a running, twisting dive over the top and starts selling the knee. And the finish was that Barrett could have easily gotten in the ring, but at the last second decided not to, and just stood there taking the loss. Those kind of finishes suck, but it's in the WWE playbook and has been with heels dating back 40 years. However, the idea is that the face gets a win, but a heel leaves with heat. But the aftermath negates that because Barrett hits Neville with the bull hammer and beats him down. Neville makes his own comeback as Barrett is parading around in his robe. He hits a German suplex and in doing so Barrett's scepter is broken and then Neville hits the red arrow. So all the heat was blown off and the guy who essentially won twice is not in the IC title match and the guy who quit and then lost leaving with no heat is why couldn't Neville have just won? He'd get his pop and an impressive win. Instead, it was a totally flat finish star and a half. It is a bit of a head scratcher. What'd you think of the finish? I would just answer it by saying Neville should have won. That's it. Yeah. We can go back and resort through all this stuff, come to the same conclusion. The wrong guy won. Right. Let's keep it going. Talk about the main event four way. As we teased at the top, Seth Rollins defending against Randy Orton, Roman Reigns, and Dean Ambrose. As a reminder, at Extreme Rules, Seth Rollins defeated Randy Orton in a cage match to retain the world title after interference from Kane, Jamie Noble, and Joey Mercury. And on the April 27th Raw, it was announced as a result of the WWE votes on the app that Rollins would be defending the title against Orton and Rowan Reigns in a triple threat match. And then on the May 4th Raw, Ambrose defeated Rollins in a non-title match and therefore is added to the match. And on the May 11th Raw, Triple H would decide if Rollins loses the title... Kane would no longer be director of operations. So Kane's job is on the line as well as if there wasn't enough at stake with the world title, 20 minutes, 42 seconds. Meltzer would know to the intros reigns was booed a little, um, lots of interference, you know, through this thing, as you might expect, we get mercury and noble, uh, attacking Roman reigns. Uh, we also get Kane hitting reigns with the steps and choke slamming reigns on the steps. Uh, lots of, uh, shenanigans Meltzer would write Kane went after Orton, but Orton laid out Kane with an RKO, but that allowed Rollins to hit a weak looking pedigree on Orton for the pin. 
It was well laid out and the best match on the show, but it felt with so much interference constantly, as opposed to just for the finish, like a clown show rather than a title match three and three quarter stars. I think Pat Patterson, a generation ago would say there was lots of Gaga. What'd you think of this one too much? I'm not sure because we have so conditioned the audience that in those matches and what you have to go back and, and reiterate if you're an announcer throughout this thing, because people forget is when you have a fatal four way or a triple threat, technically it's like a no DQ. You can use stairs and chairs and tables and all that stuff. What we do inwardly to try to protect that is when you have a triple threat, you just don't use all the toys. Right. Well, in this match, when you got the run-ins from J&J and you've got all this involvement from everybody else to try to make this thing as exciting as you can, you have to remind the audience that this stuff is all legal or otherwise it's just like it's out of control. Why is none of this disqualified? All those different things. So it's like got to be a all hands on deck. And, you know, a lot of those false finishes because the guys are so – smart in that match you know as far as coming up with intelligent stuff that really reeks of being a finish it builds the drama and it builds the drama and it's all intended to have you know this thing peak at a time when when this guy's gonna win oh nope the other guy's gonna win nope nope nope, oh i didn't see that coming that's the goal that you try to build build to in these type matches and you know you could say it's too much and and, uh, the one thing I would say is I think this was during a time when Seth other than using Hunter's finish to win the match should have won his own so at least what you walk away from this whole thing is the strongest move of the match is Seth's and that's what won it for him. That would be the only tweak I would make and the only change I would make, I think. It's kind of hard to go back and Monday quarterback that match. The readers of the Wrestling Observer uh, gave it a 59.8% thumbs up, 9.5% thumbs down, 30.8% thumbs in the middle. They thought the best match by far was the four-way main event, followed by New Day, Tyson Kidd, and Cesaro. No surprise there. Uh, the worst match, unfortunately, was the ladies. Uh, they lead that one. Uh, what do you think? Uh, best match? Do you still think it was the main event, the four-way? Yeah, just because of the star power. I think so. It had the most to lose and most ramifications and, and all those stars out there. I think probably that's they're exactly right. And I would have went with the tag match with the New Day and Cesaro and TJ second. Everything else would have been subjective, I think. Well, what's not subjective is that we're doing hashtag Ask Arn every other week. That's what's coming up next week. If you haven't already, throw us a subscribe button, hit that five star review, and uh, tell a friend. Uh, but most importantly, follow us on Twitter so you can ask Arn a question. It's at the Arn Show. But before we get to next week, we've got some questions about today's Payback 2015. A few days ago, we tweeted on an upcoming Arn. We're talking payback 2015. Have a question for Arn? Drop them in the replies and use hashtag ask Arn. Um, let's get to it here. RJ Krasinski writes, if TJ didn't have his career cut short due to injury, what do you think his career could have looked like in WWE? Hmm. 
huge upside because he would have survived the years of he's too small, he's too short, he's too anything negative. They would have just went by performance. And he was he was a kid that that did different things. Everything he did was different from everybody else. It was innovative, and he was a student of the business. I think he would have had a huge career. Ray LaDuke wants to know, when do you realize New Day were going to be a big deal? Probably the first time I saw them function as a unit. Uh, Neil wants to know what was Vince's reaction to Ziggler's headbutt in the Sheamus match where he's busted open at the end. Well, he knew it was an accident. Um, everybody knew it was an accident. We pretty much the guys that were watching the match closely saw it. It was just, just one of those deals that in this business, you know, a half an inch makes a difference and, uh, sometimes over rotating somebody. Headbutt's too close, a punch is too close, a kick is too close, and it ends up being full contact. And that's what you had there. Nick wants to know, can Arn shed any light as to the thinking behind Seth's curb stomp being banned and how he felt about the use of the pedigree as a finish? I didn't like him using the other, using Hunter's finish. Uh... And the reason was the pedigree. Just one day, the guy that makes the decisions looked up and said he didn't like it. He thought it was too dangerous, too something, not enough of something. It was just made out of nowhere because I remember the look on Seth's face of disappointment, um, not understanding why and where, where did that come from and why and all those things it was just one day it just said tell him find another finish last and question. that's how that's how stuff happens last question from patricia rogers did you know naomi would be the star she has become in this moment she pinned nikki during a time when the bellas reigned supreme uh, there was a period of time that naomi she either came back from an injury or something but she looked like I just noticed her getting in the ring earlier in the afternoons and she had rededicated herself to getting better and she really made some improvements. I don't remember the exact time frame. It could have been later than this, but she really went through a period of, of, of it's almost like the light came on for her. And uh, she was very athletic, sweetheart, worked really, really hard. And uh, I just think that, that at some point the light came on for her and she really got better. No doubt about it. And uh, we hope your back gets to feeling better. Until next week, he is at the Arn Show. I am Matt Hey Hey, it's Conrad, and we are out of time. We'll see you next Tuesday and every Tuesday right here on Westwood One. It's Arn!
John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B L E A V on YouTube or wherever you listen.